The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A very warm welcome to Scorebox. These are your headlines. So markets dropping with the Nikkei now over 2% easier as most Asian indices extend the sell-off. U.S. futures point into declines after American officials confirm the first possible case of community spread of COVID-19 in Northern California. The Dow, Dow fails to hold on to gains amid uh, rising fears of a global coronavirus pandemic. But the president, Mr. Trump, urges calm and puts Vice President Pence in charge of the outbreak response. We're very, very ready for this, for anything, whether it's going to be a uh, breakout of larger proportions or whether or not we're, uh, you know, we're at that very low level and uh, we want to keep it that way. German Health Minister Jens Spahn warns the country is on the brink of an epidemic and urges hospitals and employers to get plans underway. I've asked the health ministers of the German states in a telephone conference today to update their existing country pandemic plans where they have not yet done so and to prepare for a possible implementation. Standard Chartered shares rise in Hong Kong after the lender posts a jump in four-year profit but says it will take longer to meet its targets due to slowing global growth and the coronavirus outbreak. We're going to be hearing from CEO Bill Winters. That's coming up. Morning, everybody. Here in Zurich, we got record net income from Lafarge Holcim. They describe China as being solid, but Middle East and Africa still a little bit soft. But of course, the key question will be, how will coronavirus impact construction markets and the sales of cement and aggregates in 2020? We'll have that conversation with the CFO of the business. It's a first on CNBC. Right, as I said to you this time yesterday, everybody's looking at the US futures the whole time, so we'll keep rolling through them throughout the show. But the point, yes, they was every time they went up, Europe got a bit of relief. Every time they went down, we fell fairly aggressively. And that's a very similar situation with the European uh, opening calls following this that you can see on your screen. And if you're not watching and you're just listening, maybe you're brushing your teeth or something around the world, 390 points down is where the Dow is called. The Nasdaq called 151 points lower. Uh, Karen talked you through a few more of the markets in a very short while. But sharp losses at the open after the Center for Disease Control confirmed the first case of COVID-19 in an American where it is not clear how that person contracted the virus. It comes after President Trump placed Vice President Mike Pence in charge of the US response to the outbreak. The president said the risk from the virus is very low and blamed some of the market sell-off uh, on the uh, Democratic primary debates. I think the financial markets are very upset when they look at the Democrat candidates standing on that stage making fools out of themselves. And they say, if we ever have a president like this, and there's always a possibility, it's an election, you know, who knows what happens, right? I think we're going to win. I think we're going to win by a lot. But when they look at the statements made by the people stand behind, standing behind those podiums, I think that has a huge effect, yeah. Had to do with the coronavirus? No, I think it did. I think it did. But I think you can add 
quite a bit of sell-off to what they're seeing because they're seeing the potential. Uh, you know, again, I think we're going to win. I feel very confident of it. Um, Germany is bracing itself for a rise in coronavirus cases after a couple tested positive for COVID-19. The health minister, Jens Spahn, said the country should prepare for an outbreak. We're at the beginning of an epidemic in Germany. The latest cases in North Rhine-Westphalia and Baden-Württemberg are a further sign of this. The chains of infection are partially untraceable, and this is the new quality. Against this background, it's questionable whether our previous strategy of containing the virus and ending infection chains will continue to work. This is why I'm becoming more and more convinced that the probability that this outbreak will pass Germany by will not be fulfilled and will not occur. I've asked the health ministers of the German states in a telephone conference today to update their existing country pandemic plans where they have not yet done so and to prepare for a possible implementation. Uh, the number of fresh coronavirus cases reported outside of China now top the number reported in that country for the first time on Wednesday. That's according to the World Health Organization. Brazil has reported its first case, whilst Italy, South Korea and Iran saw their outbreaks expand. Croatia, Spain, Bahrain and Iraq also reported new incidents. Uh, just safe to say that Anheuser-Busch says the outbreak has led to a significant decline in demand in China in both on-premise and in-home channels. We'll bring you more of those flashes after the current. Have a look at the walls. Yeah, a quick look at some of this action that we saw again more selling for the likes of the Dow fifth straight negative session as we pull back by almost half of a percent after fairly vicious selling two days earlier so more red ink marching on to the boards in terms of what we've had now in the course of the week seven percent lower for the likes of the Dow uh, Disney having the biggest impact on this stock this time round and what we've seen though elsewhere snapping some of that losing streak you've got the Nasdaq actually putting a little bit of green back on the boards and we're all watching very closely the correction territory that uh, technology stocks had entered as you saw that very sharp sell off take place in what had been a favourite area of the markets, but still lagging energy, one of those sectors that, that is lagging the rest of the, the major markets. And you've had airline stocks are clear underperformer too. But safe haven flows, take a look at Treasuries again, fresh all time lows that we saw on the yield for the 10 year. We are travelling below that 130, 1.3 level on the US Treasuries. Yields also sought for duration levels, 1.79% at the 30 year. I want to show you what we're seeing in that energy space yet again. As I mentioned, the energy sector, how it has suffered stateside. We're back above uh, some of those key support levels. 52.71 is what we've got on the Brent level, though 48. We've uh, moves further south on that WTI trade and you can see it is very weak this morning. Gold prices 16.51. We are seeing a further march back into the safe haven of bullion. The Asian markets today in the trading session, the Nikkei 225 shedding more than 2% uh, losses for Hong Kong. More resilient for China, which has been curious, but uh, the number of infections as you've seen across countries weighed up by individual authorities. Major challenge for South Korea and that is one market that we watch closely. Australia trades lower today. It's been a sharp reversal for that Australian market over the course of this week. Uh, somewhat of a China proxy, but down 7% so far this week alone. The opening call, a quick look across the board. This is how we're shaping up. More red anticipated today. Yesterday, fairly stable action across on the benchmarks, but triple-digit point day, which we've not seen for a while, right across the boards at, uh, on these uh, opening calls. Look at that uh, in lockstep for the four major markets here in Europe. Karen, I'm actually thrilled. We've got a great guest on the desk now with us as well. So let's get straight to him. Standard Chartered has posted a 46% rise in annual profit, but missed some analyst forecasts. The bank, which makes most of its revenues in Asia, of course, said it would take longer now, this is the key line, to achieve its 10% return on tangible equity for 2021 due to the coronavirus impact and weakness in Hong Kong. Bill Winters, CEO of Standard Chartered. Look, 
you're a really busy man. Morning. First of all, we appreciate you being here. So thank you very, very much indeed. There's so much going on. I looked right through the numbers. I was looking at the NIMS, the ROAT, um, the, the targets for this year as well. It's not rocket science why things are tough out there as well, but why don't you just kind of lay out the foundations of where you're seeing yeah. things? Yeah, we may, maybe start with 2019, which is what we announced this morning. Uh, it's a good set of results. Uh, we, we set out a number of strategic priorities a year ago uh, at last year's full year results. Uh, we made very good progress on every one of those. So we, we said we want to focus on our uh, differentiated network, uh, and we grew income and, and grew returns in that area quite substantially. We said we wanted to add new clients in our affluent client population. We did that, uh, generated good income growth there as well. Uh, maintained costs, so costs were basically flat year on year. That's the third year in a row the costs have been flat. So we've been continuing to grow the income and profits each of these years, continuing to prove return on tangible equity, uh, kept the, uh, the expenses flat. Uh, got through our first phase of uh, stock buyback last year, bought back, bought back a billion dollars of our shares. That's, that's what led to, uh, uh, that's what helped us to get to a 23% increase in earnings per share, which is obviously something we're very happy about, 8% increase in profits. Uh, but uh, we also announced uh, this morning that, that we'll commence a, a new buyback with another uh, $500 million worth of shares. So that, all in all, we feel like we've made some really good progress. But as you say, the environment's tough. So what your point is, you, self-help only goes a certain way. Uh, apart from that, you're just beheld to external factors. Um, do you think there's anything else you can do on the self-help front that the analyst community, who you're going to speak to after us later today, yeah. are going to want you to do? Yeah, I, I think the, 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 our shareholders, obviously that's, that's who we're all working for. Uh, what they want to see is that, that we're creating value for this company over the medium to long term. And we have done that consistently each and every year over the past three years. We've added really material value. It showed up in earnings, and it showed up in terms of uh, earnings per share, uh, and it showed up in terms of market share, client satisfaction. Those are the things that are going to put us in good stead in the medium term. Uh, we said a year ago, now this is what we think about interest rates, but well, we were wrong. Interest rates are, are about 1.5% uh, lower on a forward basis than what we said. We said this is what we think about global uh, economic activity. Uh, we were wrong. Uh, the economy is, has been uh, a bit slower. And now, you know, who knows with the virus how this is going to progress. We, we hope uh, that this is a little bit more of that, that V-shape that we've been talking about. But you know, we'll see how that plays out. Certainly, as, as it spreads to the rest of the world, uh, the, the idea that, that uh, this is going to be a quick recovery seems a little bit more remote. Uh, but you know, we, we had a bunch of things that we observed last year. Uh, the, the, the economy hasn't been quite where we'd like it to be. And then, of course, we had the, the, the shock, both of the virus and, and, the, uh, and the unrest in, in Hong Kong. Uh, but it doesn't take us away from, from the core plan, and it doesn't take us away from our, our conviction that, that this 10% return on tangible equity, which is what we said we would do uh, a year ago, is every bit as achievable as it was. The only question is how long it takes. Uh, we do think that these changes, or that these, these things that are buffeting the market, we think they're transitory. Uh, we don't think that the world is in some, some sort of a structural growth slowdown, uh, or that Hong Kong is, in, is in, in some sort of a structural recession. That's not the case at all. Uh, we think there are issues that we, we have to work through. We know what they are. Uh, we can all speculate how that's going to resolve itself. Uh, but we feel very good about, uh, in, fact, in fact, we feel exactly as good about our, our, uh, our return commitments today as we did it as we were a year ago. Yeah, I take your point about the short-term nature of coronavirus, but that said, if it persists into the second half of the year, it does change some of the earnings estimates. We saw from your rival HSBC that there could be a 600 uh, a million impact. It was uh, telling up the cost of uh, that impact. What do you see in terms of your numbers if it does stretch into the second half of the year? What we said this morning, and what we'll say as we speak to our shareholders today, is that the, our income growth target over a three-year period was 5 to 7%. That's still our income growth target. It's going to be harder to hit that in 2020 
given the coronavirus impact. Now, what the, ex the, the exact impact is, very difficult to tell. I think even, even since others have been speaking a week or two weeks ago, uh, people have been revising their forecasts as, as we see uh, outbreaks in, in, in different parts of the world and as we see the, the beginning of a, of a global economic uh, impact rather than a, than a China-Hong Kong economic impact. Uh, so very difficult to, to estimate. I'll say we had a good start to the year. So but up until uh, today, uh, we've had a, a, a good start. Uh, well, we're happy with that. But we can see that the impact is going to kick in in March and, uh, and into April, May, uh, and then we'll see whether it extends into the second half of the year. So central bank policy clearly comes into the discussion right now because we've seen extraordinary measures from the Chinese at this point and there was a discussion at G20 that perhaps more coordinated global measures would be required and yeah. what we've seen since then, a sweep of infection rates across the globe. Yeah. So you'd have to assume that there would be some sort of response if there is an impact on economic growth. That has the potential to depress profit margins, doesn't it, if it we does. see a drop in those rates? It does. Uh, you know, interest rates are already very, very low, as we've seen with 10-year with, with notes uh, you know, down at 137 or something like that. That's, that's at a, uh, an extraordinarily low level and, and, and very much lower than, than what, we, what the market, what we had expected a year ago when, when we set out our targets. Uh, but of course, that's what's, that's what's necessary right now to make sure that the markets continue to function through this period of disruption. So uh, it, it's the right action for central banks to be taking. If interest rates remain at a very low level for a long time, of course, it makes it harder for us to hit our hit our targets but that means we have to focus on other things uh, that we can do and you know if, if there's i think we've demonstrated several things over the past two years one is we can manage our expenses uh second is we can manage our capital uh and and third is we can grow income despite difficult markets in a number of of, of occasions including in hong kong last year uh including in in uh, in greater china in the early part of this year where we're, where we're growing income. So uh, we have levers that we can pull uh, if, if things turn out to be a little bit different, but it doesn't mean that we can pull them all the way back to where they would have been if everything was I want to tie happening. in what could be, and again, we're looking at various scenarios, uh, a, a crisis for the economy and financial markets in 2020 compared with the one we saw 11 years ago. Because, uh, to, and tie it in with a theme that's yeah. very close to your heart, because a lot of companies had well-meaning intentions on climate, or on climate goals, and how they were going to transform their businesses in the first decade of this century. They failed ignominiously yeah. and basically concentrated on their, their core business because yeah. of the uh, market crisis. You have lofty aspirations for 2020 to 2030. So do a lot of others as well. Do you fear that some of those climate, ESG, uh, carbon goals that you and others have will just go by the by like they did in 2009 to 2011 if this continues? Yeah, I, I would fear that, that uh, some businesses uh, that have reached the view, I'll say correctly or not, uh, that, that meeting their, clim their, their, their uh, climate commitments uh, is, an, is, a, is a drain on their profitability will be tempted to pull back if we have a, a, a more difficult environment. That's not the way we look at it. Uh, we look at... at uh, our obligations, the commitments that we've made in, in climate change, as an obligation because it's the right thing to do. We also see it as the opportunity of our lifetime. Uh, there's $35 trillion of financing that's going to be required to meet the sustainable development goals. There's $2.5 trillion per year in order to hit the, the Paris Agreement climate uh, commitments that we've made. Uh, a significant chunk of that money that needs to be raised and funded in the markets where we operate. Uh, we're, Asia, Africa, Middle East, where Standard Chartered has, its, Standard Chartered has the core of its business, is, are the countries that will be most impacted 
yeah. by climate change and the countries that can make the biggest difference in terms of addressing carbon emissions. Uh, and that's ex and we happen to be very good at that business. So it's not a luxury, it's an obligation. Well, we're picking off Davos themes from ESG. We may as well move on to executive compensation as well because there's been a clash with your shareholders in, in recent times. And I know there was a move uh, in November to effectively halve the, the pension payout. You've had a fight over the, the remuneration policy. Just give us a sense of where you are now with shareholders and, and what you seek to achieve this year. Well, the matter of my compensation is always a matter for the board, always has been. Uh, I work at the behest of, of, the, uh, of the shareholders through the board. I, I take what they pay me. Uh, I've never been involved with it, and I've never, uh, never objected. Shareholders said we'd like to adjust the pension. Uh, board adjusted the pension. I say fine, so we move on. But that's, you know, that's sort of the long and the short of it. I, I like that. It's a bit like me and Karen, really. I'll take what they pay me, yeah. Um, in terms... <laughs> yeah, we're price takers here at CNBC. Uh, in terms of the markets now, Bill, quick word on what you think. We're seeing, I wouldn't say panic, but we're seeing an absence of buyers amidst a severe ticking down. Do you think it's leaving markets in value territory? Uh, that's a very hard call. Uh, we've obviously had a significant run-up. Uh, that run-up was on the back of, of a combination of, of strong earnings, what looked to be a, a, the beginnings of a recovery in, in global economic activity, and very low interest rates. Uh, interest rates are going lower, so that, that's further supporting the market. Uh, the global economic uh, recovery looks like it's going to be delayed or, or go, the other, go the other way for at least for a period of time. Uh, and we'll see what the impact uh, is on, on earnings for companies. But uh, value territory, I mean, clearly the market is saying we're not so sure. Yeah. Okay, we're going to leave it there because we know you've got an incredibly busy day. I so appreciate you coming. I didn't actually know you were coming in the studio here. So thank you very much indeed My for pleasure. that. Always thank a you. pleasure seeing you, Bill. Uh, Bill Winters, Thanks. CEO of Standard Chartered. And talking of companies who are talking about potentially negative ramifications of coronavirus, We've got Anne Hauser-Busch. Yes, it's been a rough ride, and we've seen in that food and drink basket of stocks that this is one company that's been particularly hard hit as investors are repriced around coronavirus. It's been down close to 15% so far this year, and perhaps we can get a chart up for you while we're talking. The fourth quarter... And for your results, uh, the company is saying its revenue grew by 4.3% in the full year and by 2.5% in the fourth quarter. A revenue uh, uh, growth of 3.1% in uh, that full year 2019. In terms of the normalised EPS, that was at 4.08 US dollars. The company proposing a final dividend of one euro per share. Total volumes grew by 1.1% in 2019. Their own beer volumes up 0.8%, non-beer volumes up 4.8%. So you can see uh, quite an uneven split there between beer and non-beer. In terms of the company's first two months of 2020, they estimate that coronavirus outbreak has resulted in lost revenue of approximately 285 million US dollars and lost EBITDA of approximately 170 million US dollars in China. The company's uh, normalised profit attributable to equity shareholders of AB InBev was at 8.09, almost uh, million US dollars. They say, uh, sorry, that should say that's 8.09 billion versus uh, 6.2 previously. Everything you say sounds quite worrying, but look at that. Shares are already off 28% in the last six months. Yes. Now, again, this is that old question for you out there if you're trying to find value, as Bill was just talking about as well. Have they come off far enough? Well, the, the one line I would just point you to in AB InBev's numbers today, they say the impact of COVID-19 virus outbreak on our business continues to evolve. Yeah. So even though you've had an update, we may not have the final numbers from some of the corporates, even those that have been fairly upfront in presenting us with some estimates. Yeah, no, absolutely spot on. Okay, look, um, basic fact of life. If you have economic activity, you have cement because people build properties, homes, roads, you name it. Lafarge Holotim. Uh, it's one of the biggest in that area. They've posted a record net income in 2019, but it warns of challenges in China. 
Jeff speaking to the CFO at 900 CET plus Karen. Just a reminder, if you can't get enough of Squawkbox, be sure to tune in for our very own podcast. You can head to cnbc.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Have a listen and download today's episode. For our listeners out there, stick around for some more. If you enjoy Squawk Box Europe, check out the Brave Ones podcast. The series explores the rise of some of the world's most successful entrepreneurs. Through exclusive interviews with family, friends and colleagues, the Brave Ones podcast features stories of determination, resilience and ingenuity. Available on Apple Podcast, Spotify and Google Play. The Brave Ones podcast presented by Credit Suisse. Lafarge Wholesome has posted a 50% rise in four-year net income, beating expectations, thanks in part to a sharp dip in net debt. But the Swiss building materials company warned of a challenging environment in China, adding the coronavirus outbreak might impact 2020 operating results in the country. Well, let's get out to Jeff for more in Zurich. Jeff, I noticed the targets are low to mid-single-digit sales numbers they're expecting for this year, despite China. Yeah, absolutely. But Karen, uh, those numbers reflect, I think, the broader five-year strategy that the organization has implemented that takes them through to 2020. And they would argue that their targets are achievable and that they pretty much are on track for those. But you have to, if you look at the share price, you'll understand the story. You have to understand the rehabilitation that is going on here of Lafarge Wholesome in the eyes of investors, because we know that there was a lot of debt left over from the merger. And one of the aims that they've had is to bring down net debt. And in this announcement, I think the investment base will be pleased to see another significant reduction, over 30% cut in that debt on the balance sheets. They've also continued this process of shedding assets and shedding locations. So they got out of Malaysia and Indonesia over the last year. That was one of the targets for 2019. And they continue to try to concentrate in markets where they have um, some clear superiority. Uh, Europe, they've done okay. They've managed to impose some price increases through 2019. They're happy with the run rate in the United States. Latin America, perhaps not quite as strong as it might be here. The real question marks, though, as you flag up in that read to me, is what will happen with China this year? They had a solid 2019 for China. That's very clear in the statement. But they are suggesting that the environment could be a little bit more difficult for full year 2020. And of course, these statements, I suspect, all being put together, even as we're getting to grips with the sense of what coronavirus will mean for construction markets, because potentially the impact could be enormous. And that will hit their key businesses of ready mix cement and aggregates. We're going to talk a lot about this with the CFO, of course, uh, Geraldine Pico will join us at 9CET. She's very keen to continue to up the cash conversion rate for this business and to bring back shareholders who've become a little bit disillusioned by the size this business got to before 
before their big write down a few years ago. So we'll have that conversation at 9 CET. Back to you. Yeah, Jeff, let's move on from cement. I mean, it's a fantastic story. I'm looking forward to that 9 CET interview. I mean, just in terms of you're in one of the top financial centres of the world, we're in one of the others, of course, New York and one or two others. What's the feeling? I mean, you've been talking to business across Switzerland over the last couple of days. I'm sure you've been stopped in the street by a few people as well. What's the feeling in Zurich about what we're seeing? Yeah, I think like everybody else, they are, you know, hand to mouth just watching the way we saw yesterday that attempt uh, to rally out of the recent sell-off and then it ultimately dying on its legs. And I think for anybody that's been around the market, Steve, for a while, they'll look at that and they'll see it failed and that will make them even more nervous here um, because you look for a recovery in those waves and it wasn't really sustainable. So there'll be a lot of people, I think, who were considering at the beginning of the week whether they take advantage of some of the downside, now thinking, well, maybe I should be thinking more about just stepping aside at this stage. And of course, as we know, that creates its own negative feedback loop in terms of market performance. But here, just like everywhere else, Steve, the the main financial centers, the people that you're talking to are expressing a great deal of nervousness. And I think the problem is that there there isn't really any clarity coming out of the WHO. We had that interview earlier in the week, and we, we were struggling to get some real facts that we could stand up around where this is going, what it looks like, how far will it go, who are the main carriers of this, why aren't their symptoms being expressed earlier before they are transmitting perhaps to other individuals. There's so many imponderables uh, and I think for the time being that means a lot of the people I'm talking to here are now expressing more caution about the direction for equities. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.